I had some crazy friends, and maybe you can relate to that. Um, we did not have very large brains, okay? Um, I'm serious. You'd think I'm kidding. We, we decided that one day we're all in the back of my buddy's truck, and he's going 10 or 15, and we thought, you know what would be smart? If we jump out and see if we can run along. Some of you are like, I've done that, right? Yeah, okay. Well, we're also very competitive and stubborn, and so part of the whole challenge was what started off as just jumping on the back of the truck and running along with the truck, um, it got a little too fast, and so we started rolling in the ditch, okay? And so what went from 5 miles an hour went to 10 to 20 to 30 to 35 to 40. And my buddy Kyle, one day, um, he's like the epitome of like the meme Kyle, like drinks monsters and punches holes in walls. Like that's this Kyle. So it might come to no surprises you is that one day we're going 45 miles an hour, and, and I've just gotten this brand-new truck. And he has a car, so when you're driving a truck, it feels like you're going a lot slower. Maybe if you have a truck, you want to relate to this, but it feels like you're going a ton tr- slower. And so I asked him, hey, Kyle, how fast do you think we're going right now? He's like, ah, probably like 35. I was like, we're going 45, Kyle. He's like, no way. I was like, you know what you have to do, right? I'm like, what? Like, you have to break the record. <laughs> and he's like, no way. I'm like, dude, you can do this. And, of course, I'm not going to do it because um, this is insane, but, like, Kyle, you have to break the record. And so this, this man, I guess he's a boy at this time, he, he goes and perches like in the window seal of my truck, and it's like everything is like, and uh, he does it. He jumps out, and uh, he hurts himself quite a bit, but this is the epitome of my, my friendships growing up. Like one of my friends, and I, and I hope to share a lot more stories with you all with my friends, but one of my friends literally has one hand. Um, he, he was making a pipe bomb, and uh, he blew it off, Okay. <laughs> It, it is funny now. It's like horribly, it was scary back then. But, you know, he has one hand. It's, he, he's good. He's fine. Um, you know, my, my, other, my other friend fell like three stories from a bridge, like broke his wrist and his back. Like this is my friend group, okay? Well, when I was like in eighth or ninth or tenth grade or something like that, we thought it would be a good idea to do what's called a works bomb, okay? I don't know if you're familiar with this, but back in my day, okay, I, you, it might still be your day, I don't know. If you balled up aluminum foil and mixed it with works bathroom cleaner and you would close the lid and duct tape it, it would literally, it would blow up. It was, it was really awesome. In fact, uh, I probably shouldn't be selling this, but me and Haley trying to do that with middle school, one of our Halloween events, we wanted to blow up a pumpkin and that got, that got shut down. <laughs> church leadership didn't like the idea of a bomb in the church, apparently. Um, <laughs> shut down. <laughs> and at the time, I'm not kidding though, at the time, I literally was so mad. I'm like, how dare you? Like, we're blowing up a pumpkin. This is going to be awesome. But anyways, we thought it'd be funny. Make it works bomb. We mix all the ingredients, and, and I'm, like, jazzed. I'm over there, like, watching it and, like, what's happening? And, and the, the water bottle is, like, growing a little bit. I'm like, how do we know if this thing's working, you know? It's like, trust me, it's going to work. I'm like, are you sure? Like, how do we know this thing's working? And I, I, never, I never forget this. My friend was just looked over at me. He's like, just, Isaiah, calm down. Like, trust me, it's going to work, okay? Sure enough, it worked. It blew up. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Okay, works bomb. Okay. Well, I don't know if you're anything like me, but the, la- the last few weeks we've been talking about community, and you might be hearing the things that we've been talking about, and you might be asking the same question, like, how do we know this is working, right? So I've, I've encouraged you, and, and I've challenged you to be inclusive in the sense that we're going to unify over a common purpose, and we're not going to forget our preferences, but we're going to allow our purpose to supersede our preferences. And then last week, Sean preached just a banger, okay? Haley doesn't like the way I say banger, but banger, on accountability, and he talked about the difference between proactive accountability, right? Like we should stay diligent and being proactive about keeping our brothers accountable. And when we're reactive, we're to remain in grace and to love our neighbor, right? Our brother and sister. And we're supposed to keep them accountable out of love and grace. 
So you might be asking the same question as I am, which is, how do we know this is working? Should I keep doing this? How do I know this is working? And today I hope to answer that. Because today I want to give you the last step here of the three-week series that we're in, which is we are, as indicated by the, the graphic behind us. This third step that is, is, is a challenge, but is also proof of what we're doing and if we're doing it well. And so I know that's a weird conundrum. You're like, okay, it's a challenge, but also proof, because you can certainly do this without it being fruit of what you're doing. But in our instance, I hope that this is both a challenge and proof of what's going on. So today we're going to dive into some scripture to talk about this. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. So feel free to open it up to Galatians chapter 6. We'll have the, the scripture on the board. But before I talk in Galatians chapter 6, I think it's important that we talk a little bit about the context, okay? So contextually speaking here, in Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to keep saying it because people are like, what, what chapter? We find ourselves in a really convincing argument that's defending our Christian liberties, okay? Chapter 6, we have an argument of, of Paul defending our Christian liberties. He's saying, if you remember two weeks ago, Paul was arguing with Peter because Peter had started withdrawing from the uncircumcised because their preference was the old way, right, to be circumcised. And Paul had a really great argument, which was if you're going to be circumcised and if you have to follow this law, then don't you have to follow all of it? And, of course, we saw how that went. It didn't go well. It wasn't a great argument. And in a similar fashion, he's arguing the same thing here. He's saying, shouldn't we be free in Jesus? Shouldn't it be enough that Jesus died on the cross that it should free us to have faith alone and live a life in Jesus? And it's like, well, yes, of course. Then he goes on to say, then what does that look like? And in chapter 6, we have the answer to the question that's asked, which is, how do we know this is working? How do we know that accountability and how do we know that inclusivity, choosing to unify over purpose, is working? And so if you're in chapter 6, we're going to read verses 2 through 10. And I think it gives us a really good challenge as a community. Verses 2 through 10 says this. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. These verses tell us something very important for all of us and what we should be as a community. It gives us three challenges, and that is to live a life of communal service. That we as a church, we as a community are called to, and the evidence of our faith is when we begin living a life of communal service. And it breaks it down in three categories. The first is to service towards our brothers and sisters who are struggling, verses 2 through 5. The second is towards the general populace, like right to everyone, 
And the third is specifically to the church. So we are called to communally serve to those who are struggling, the general populace, and the church. And so what I'd like to do now is dive into this a little more, what that actually means. So to do that, step one, we're going to go back to verses 2 through 5, but service towards brothers and sisters who are struggling. In verses 2 through 5 it says, once again, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the life of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. And this last verse here is key. It says, for each one will bear his own load. Service to our brothers and sisters starts with distinguishing the difference between load and burden. This is really great because I know a lot of you might have heard this from Haley recently, but this is so important. Distinguishing the difference between load and burden. A load. We're all required to carry something with us, right? We're going to go through these challenges. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to face trials and temptations and persecutions. And some of these things we're required to grow and do alone. This is really important. Because not everything is meant to be communal. But there are these special things. These may be especially tough, arduous, unexpected, inconvenient things that God had intended for all of us to do together, had intended some of us to do together, and not alone. And so to give you an example of a burden, I think it would be no better example than to go back to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 27, so I'm going to read some scripture and then I'm going to end it with what I would describe as a burden. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. And they took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. Right, some of you have heard this maybe a hundred times, right? Jesus right now is getting beaten to near death. He's being spit on, he's being mocked, he has a crown of thorns on his head, and so far he's able to do this all on his own. And we know that Jesus' sacrifice and his suffering alone is enough. But I think this next verse, oftentimes we, we skim over, we read really quick, and really forget the implications of it. In verses 32, it says this. As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they what? Pressed into service to bear his cross. They pressed into service to bear his cross. This is a perfect example of a burden. Jesus is loaded was to die for all of humanity. But a burden that he was unable to carry was the cross, the physical cross itself. And so someone else named Simon helped him. And when we look around us, when we look at people in our life, there are people all over, probably in this very room, that are carrying cross that they're too weak to carry and they need our help. They were going through something that's more than what God had intended for them alone. And it might be you sitting in one of these chairs today that are intended to help carry that cross. Because communally speaking, 
One of the things that we're called to is communal service towards our brothers and sisters who might be struggling. So that's the first point. Going back to Galatians, it gives us our second point, which is service to our brothers and sisters to everyone, right? So 6 through 9 says this, The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. This he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will with the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This is echoed all over the Bible. We're called to serve our brothers and sisters. And right prior to this, Galatians 5.13, it says, For you were called to freedom, right? Because I told you this is a defense of our spiritual liberties and what that should lead to. It says, You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In Proverbs 3.27, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is your power to do it. In Proverbs 14, 21, it says, One who despises his neighbor sins, but one who is gracious to the poor is blessed. And in John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. I think oftentimes when we think about serving others, we think of the person standing in the, the corner, right? Like, oh, I'll give them some change. <laughs> and that's great. I hope that you are helping those people. But I think the scripture is very clear that we're called communally to serve everyone around us all the time. That whatever it is that we're reaping, we will sow. There's the scripture of the sheep and the goats, right? And he said, goats depart, sheep come towards me. And they're like, we never knew there were, that, that was you. And he said, if you've ever served me a glass of drink. And you served me. If you ever gave me a coat, you gave me a coat. Right? Because communally speaking, we're called to serve the general populace. And the last point in verse 10, so then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. This is echoed again all over the Bible. Matthew 5, 42 says, give to him who asked of you, and you do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Matthew 23, 11 says, but the greatest of you shall be your servant. And Peter 4, 10, each, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God, right? We have our own gifts, we have our own abilities, and communally speaking, then, with our freedom, we do what? We serve the church. Galatians 6 through 10, we are called to communal service for those who are struggling, for our own brothers and sisters, and the church. So the last thing I want to talk about then is how. How do we do this? Right? Because you might believe me. You might be saying, okay, I totally agree. I think that we are called as a community. I think that this is proof that we're keeping each other accountable. I think that this is proof that we've decided to unify over a common purpose. Well, how do we do this? Right? That's the next step. I was reading a scripture, actually Haley was reading us a scripture <laughs> this week. I think it really opened up something for me. I think it gives us a really clear picture 
of what we're called to as Christians and how to serve one another. You might have heard this story and you might have read it as many times as I have. But it's the story of Jesus calming the storm. And I, I want to read it and I want to point out a few things. I think it really tells us how it is that we can serve our brothers and sisters who are really struggling. That's the first point, right? If you have your Bible, I'm going to be reading out of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. It says this. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats are with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filled up. Jesus himself was in the stern, classically, asleep, on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I've read this story a hundred times. And what stood out to me when I was reading this was that something unexpected happened in the disciples' lives. Or the people that were following Jesus, something unexpected happened. A storm came, right? And it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just thunder and, and rain and lightning. Like, it was already filling the boat. They were going to drown. It was filling the boat, op- boat open so much that it was about to sink. And it strikes me as odd that, one, that Jesus is sleeping, but two, Jesus isn't asking any questions right at the gate. Jesus solves the problem. Jesus says, hush, be still, and then what happened? He woke, he, the, the storm was calmed, and then he began to ask questions. Then he began to get clarity. Then he began to assess. I think this really answers the question, how is it then that we should be serving our own that are struggling? Because I think us, and I know this is, this is speaking directly to me personally, I have the tendency to hear the same problem a few times and just be like, I'm done with this. And <laughs> this is my mom. She always calls me. I'm like, mother, if you tell me about my brother one more time, like you're cut out from the family, okay? <laughs> but I think that we do this with people in our lives that maybe we're not as close to. Or maybe some people that were like, this is the squeaky mouse here going on and on and on. Like, oh, great, this problem again, right? We can all agree we do that sometimes. But what strikes me in the scripture and what convicts me and challenges me is that had Jesus taken a second to be like, oh, great, here we go. What? Like, oh, great, you again? You're complaining again? They would have drowned. But instead, in that moment, He decided to calm the storm. And I think as a community, this is something that we can really learn from. Because how we serve our own is being present and by helping in the moment. But more importantly, after we assess, right? But if someone comes up to you with a problem, and we first decide to figure out how it is that it's their problem and why it is that it's not yours, it could be very well that they drown. (laughs) That's dramatic. And I've been told I'm dramatic by a few people. We take care of our own 
by fixing the problem, by being there, being present, and then we assess. We welcome in those from the outside who are wounded. We help those from the outside that we might not quite understand, that might be hurt from church, that might have come before and they might have some wounds from the things the church has told them and we say, hold on, time out. I'm going to be with you now. Who might have some theologically different than us, some political differences than us, and we say, let's, let's figure out what is going on in here first. And then it's after that that we go on to assess. The second thing is serving our neighbors, right? I could sin off, spit off a whole list of things that our church does really great for service, and you probably already know a whole bunch of those, but I did want to provide you with something specific that this, this school does have going on, and two of our very own, Elizabeth and Christian, are heading up, I believe, heading up. I'm getting the head yes or no? Part of. Yes? I'm getting the yes. I'm going to go with it. Confidence. It's the big event April 10th, right? You want to talk about, <laughs> I got a thumbs up, okay. You want to talk about serving, like this is literally, boom, there you go. If you're interested, I think registration ends, what, Friday? Okay, also thumbs up. Great, we're doing good here. Keep it up. Reach out to them. But when we, when we talk about serving our neighbors, right, I'm going to talk about serving the church in a second. But when we talk about serving our neighbors, oftentimes we think it's this going and serving and building a roof or beach week. Hopefully you don't think of that as, as service. I, I'm still scarred, and I'm going to talk about this probably a hundred times before you're, you're done. You're like, Isaiah does not like beach week, does he? No, I don't. This thing's falling off my ear. Serving the church. This could be something simple. It could be complex, but it could also be simple. Like buying the person's meal behind you, Right? Something as simple as serving someone by buying their meal by the person behind you, right? Slowing down to have a conversation with someone you notice needs community. I've been the first person to be totally guilty of hearing someone that we have a need that we can feel like, man, I'm really struggling with feel in the blank. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I will pray for you. <laughs> Blessings, you know. <laughs> you know, you laugh because you know it's true. You're like, oh my goodness. But what if it was that we actually had a real awesome avenue? What if we, it is that we had a solution here, right? What if service looked like just being to sit down and talk to someone who needs community or someone who's in a crisis, right? Again, this isn't just our brothers and sisters that we actually know and are close to that are in crises. crises. It's everyone, not everyone, a lot of us. Could be talking to someone who needs that. This could be discipleship. Right? There might be someone that you've noticed here that's new, and then you're like, man, I, that reminds me of myself a lot. Maybe I'll reach out to them and see if I can pour into them. I know we have, we have a lot of great people actually in this room doing this already, so I commend you for that, but also challenge others to do it. And the last thing is serving the church, right? We're called to communal service to those who are struggling, to everyone around us, and last thing, the church Here's a challenge that I have for all of us. And this is a challenge that you're going to continue to hear for, from me preaching on the stage. It's going to be something that you're going to hear me nudging you to pretty much all the time. My challenge for you is this. I believe that it's our duty to serve the church. I believe that you should find a faithful and healthy community that you attend. One of my challenges for each person in this room, it doesn't have to be Highland Park United Methodist Church. It doesn't have to be Watermark. It doesn't have to be First Baptist. But I challenge you to one of two things to either find a service on Sunday, and again, we have an awesome service at HPMC, we do Wesley Mobile House, nailed it. Come join us there. 
and go to church with us. We reserve the balcony. But get plugged into church on Sunday. And if it's not, maybe this is your service. You say, I feel like I'm really connected here. I feel like this is what I need to hear. I feel like this is relating to me a lot. Sundays isn't as relatable. Then my challenge then to you is to serve. To serve on Sunday. Again, this doesn't have to be at Highland Park Game this Church, but one of our targets this year as a Wesley staff, we sat down at the beginning of the year to do this, and you're probably thinking, Isaiah, you don't know enough about Wesley House to set targets for us, okay? One of our targets was that half of the people that show up on Tuesdays would be serving on Sundays. And I can tell you from my experience, I just came out of youth ministry. I have colleagues in children's ministry. Like, there's plenty of openings. I know some of us in this room are already serving in children's ministry. I know some of us in this room are serving in youth. I know some of us are serving as greeters. But my challenge is either get plugged in on Sunday or serve. Because as a community, we know what we're doing here is successful when we're living a life of that communally. And the last plug I have is the mission trip. I'm actually speaking in the summer mission trip, so if you want to come serve, have a good time. We'll figure that out. Talk to me after. So I'm going to call the band up here at this point, and I'm going to close this thing out. We've spent the last three weeks, and we are, okay? And ultimately, we are called to, to three main things, right? Choosing purpose over preference, staying proactive and keeping each other accountable, or being filled with grace when we have to be, when we have to react, and then communally serving those who are struggling, communally serve everyone around us, and communally serve the church, and my question for you today is, like, what would it look like if we were actually doing these things? All right, these are, these are really great words on paper. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to unify around purpose. But like, what if we were actually doing that? Like, genuinely, we decided that our differences, who we are as people, the style of worship, the style of sermons, the graphics behind us, what if we decided that those things were secondary to our purpose? To create deeply devoted followers of Christ and to serve not only us, but everyone around us. And what would it look like if we could be filled with love and grace, as Sean talked about last week, to nudge people in the right direction, to be able to ask people tough questions about their faith, to grow in your faith, and to go in the right direction together. And then lastly, to see the fruits of that. I can almost guarantee every person in here has been through a time where they can look back and remember when someone was there for you, right? I mean, this is a simple, like, lean on me. We all love that song because it's so true. What if we were that community? What if we were that church? What if our elders and our deacons looked out on Sunday and they saw us there, sitting there, glorifying God and in the children's ministry, and in the youth. And it not only inspired them, but it inspired the youth and inspired the children. And we not only started to make an impact in each other's lives, but literally the next generation. So I think that's what we're going for here. I don't think that any of us, any of us who are plugged in or not, want their college to be a waste. I know they don't want to look back in 10 years and say, man, I really wish I would have done fill in the blank. But I know that all of us have the propensity to want to leave a legacy, to leave a mark. And I believe that if we're the community that I've just described, 
that God calls us to be, that we can do that. Really excited about these next few years and the direction we're headed, because I think we have some really, really courageous leaders, some merciful and some kind people in this room who are gonna do some really great things. We're gonna move into a time of worship, but before I do that, would you pray with me? God, you've given us an incredible purpose. Lord, you have found us where we are and you have loved us. You have died on a cross for us. And Lord, you've given us the call to do the same for our brothers who lay down our lives to serve. Lord, let us unify around a purpose. Lord, give us the visions, give us the dreams to see what you had intended for us. Lord, let us find the people on the edges. Let us find the people who are hurting. Give us the courage and the strength and the patience to listen to those people that need to be listened to, even if they're like my mom and I've heard them 20 times. Lord, let us be filled with grace and keeping our brothers accountable. Let us serve everyone we come into contact with, whether it's through a smile, through a lunch, through giving them the very coat on our back, through asking them how their day is as you're buying a drink from them at the convenience store. Lord, let us serve our church. Give us the conviction to step into the hallways of the church on a Sunday and inspire the masses. I get emails after emails after emails after emails about the amazing thing Wesley House is doing, Wesley House is doing, Wesley House is doing. Lord, let that not be about us, but rather the evidence of the amazing things that are going on here. Lord, bless this space, bless this time. Lord, as we move into a time of worship, Allow us to let whatever it is that we have in our heavy on our hearts, heavy on our minds go, that we might love you and neighbor better. Amen.